Hello, welcome to another edition of the Hoop Scoop Podcast. My name is Nate with my pod pal, Hello, Bill. Hello, welcome. And today we got a hefty episode. We're talking first half of the season. It's in the books. We're reviewing it. Takeaways, looking ahead to the next part of the season. But before we do that, I got to introduce a dear friend of the podcast. He's been with us before. Alex goes by J- Alexander Jack, or Jack Alexander, I'm sorry, Jack Alexander on Twitter. But friend of the podcast, Alex Adamo. Happy to have him How back. How are you doing, sir? Gentlemen, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me today. I'm excited to get into it and talk some ball with you guys. For sure. So, let's get right into it. Midway through the season, for most teams. Some teams have played 36 games. Some have played 37, whatever. But bottom line is we're looking ahead to the next part. Before we do that, we got to kind of take a second collect ourselves, see what happened. So I'll ask both of you guys. I'll start with you, Phil. If I were to kind of give you this slate of standing, stats, whatever, you know, show you what the first half of the season looked like. Maybe I showed you this back in December. And I said, this is what, the, this is what we're looking at halfway through the season. What would stick out to you most? Um, well, I mean, I, I want to talk about the Knicks, but I feel like that's kind of arbitrary. And obviously that's where we would go. But, yeah, I mean, they've really been the kind of standout thing for everybody. Like, it depends on where in December you would have showed me this. If it was the beginning, I would have been like, no, this is horrible. We need to tank. Like, I want Cade, all that stuff. But, I mean, at this point now, like, I mean, we can still tank eventually. If we go on a five-game losing streak, we're essentially back in a tanking conversation, which I think is just so interesting in the Eastern Conference how, what is it, like the fourth to the tenth spot is separated by three games. So, like, if any of those teams drop off just a bit, it could really make a difference in how the rest of the uh, playoff standings will look. Yeah, we, we could definitely get into the kind of what the Eastern Conference is looking like, and uh, you definitely bring up a good point how, especially in the East, the you just a two-game winning streak or a two-game losing streak from looking at either home court advantage or a lottery pick, uh, just to kind of paint the picture. Boston Celtics right now is sitting at four. They're five games back from first place and the Washington wizards at 12 are nine games back. So four games separating four through 12. Right. And there's, which is pretty, there's a lot of surprises in both directions. Like the Hornets and Knicks are trending up the heat Raptors uh, Hawks and wizards are trending down. So it's just like a, it's just an interesting way of, you definitely would have been able to peg the top eight right now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And even the Celtics yeah. you know, being in that, in that mix, uh, so, yeah, Eastern Conference, Knicks, definitely interesting. Adamo, how about you? If I were to kind of show you what the landscape looks like, anything stick out to you? Yeah, um, definitely a lot of things sticking out to me. And, you know, Timberwolves, their struggles, Rockets, their struggles. But I want to focus on the Brooklyn Nets, going to stay in New York. So I think it's incredible how impressive their offense has looked. And they've only had KD for, I think, half of the game so far this year. They've played 37, KD's played 18. And if you look at the points per game that they're getting, 121. Next closest, I think, is the Bucks at 118. And then after that, 116, a couple of teams. But just watching James Harden and Kyrie Irving play, it's just so fun to watch. And a question that I had after they made that James Harden trade was, you know, are they going to – be able to you know include the other guys is it just going to be a James Harden and Kyrie Irving show on a nightly basis but James Harden 
is absolutely electric and he's getting all these other guys involved and they're playing so good. Like Joe Harris, I think he's shooting above 50% from three on the year. That's, that's absurd. I mean, you know, he's such a, such a willing passer. And I think that he took a lot of heat, um, you know, from Houston, how he would always get to the foul line and a, a lot of ISO ball. And I think that we're seeing the versatility in his game. So Brooklyn has really stood out to me and I mean, I hope that they get KD back fully, fully healthy for the playoffs as an NBA fan, just to see what they can do and how those guys are going to look when, you know, they hit their full stride, all three of them together. Yeah, Damo, I was going to ask when the Nets, we were kind of rumoring trading for Harden, where were you leaning? Were you more in the camp of, I want them to keep it together as it is, this whole bench unit is electric, or did you want them to make that push for Harden? Yeah, so I thought that they were going to have to end up giving a king's ransom for James Harden. And I questioned at first, how's the team going to mesh after this? You know, Harden's so ball dominant, Kyrie so ball dominant. But I think, I don't know how many games that Harden's played right now. I'd imagine maybe like uh, 18 with the Nets, something like that. But it seems like a lot of the questions that people initially had about Harden playing with the Nets and how they'd fit have gone away. And even their defense, I know it's still not great, you know, and James Harden is still not a great individual defender, but I think that as a unit, they're good enough. And especially with the offense that they have, um, you know, so getting to your point, I think initially I thought that James Harden was going to be a good player for them, but you know, they still have some holes, but I don't know. I, I think it's been excellent so far. They're they're looking really, really good. Yeah, I think me and Nate were both kind of in the hesitant side, but as things kind of unfolded, we saw that, like, to some nights the defense is good. To other nights the defense doesn't even matter. Exactly. Yeah, Brooklyn's definitely interesting. And at the end of the day, obviously the production of Joe Harris is great. You can't really expect any more from that. I think Bruce Brown has, Brown has been implemented – incredibly well too but yeah at the end of the day it's going to come down to the three of those guys Kyrie Harden and Durant and you know those guys have played seven games they played seven games together only 186 minutes and when they're on the floor it's looking good you know they're they're scoring about 122 points per game I'm not per game per 100 possessions and that would be easily the best in the NBA right now Uh, the defense is not great but it's okay. Uh, they're still plus eight when they're on the floor. So like, it's been good when we've seen it, but it's just been such a small sample size. And I, I just get PTSD when I see teams not mesh together in the regular season. And I'm not saying that the nets are going to end up like this, but I'm, I'm surprised. And I think this is kind of like a theme that has been going on this season. I'm surprised that more teams haven't leaned into the regular season, given everything that's been taken into consideration being the no real training camp, not a real offseason, no preseason, all of these things. And and listen, maybe Durant, you know, is they're very they're being very cautious of his injury. I'm sure there is some kind of injury there. But I do think it is something to think about that although Harden has looked great, the three haven't really played together. And we see we and when I say PTSD, I'm, I'm talking 
about the Clippers last year. And I'm not saying this team is the Clippers. This team probably has more talent than the Clippers. But I really think that it showed by playoff time, both just the on-court chemistry, the person-to-person chemistry, just everything that goes in consideration in a basketball game, it didn't seem to be there in the postseason. And mm-hmm. I think a big part of that was the fact that they just didn't play a lot last year. I mean, I've talked about this several times in the podcast. Last year when I was watching the Clippers, every time I tuned in, somebody was out. Either Paul George was out, either Kawhi was out, either Lou and Montrez or – you know, it never seemed like they had their full unit together. And for all the crap we give the Lakers and LeBron and AD for whatever you want to complain about, uh, last year especially, those guys played. You know, th- those guys did not sit out a lot of games. Obviously, this year is a little different because AD uh, has that Achilles injury and they get the benefit of the doubt because they're defending champs. But last year, those guys played a lot. And I think that it really paid dividends by the end of the season. We saw that they were a team that was on the same page and the Clippers were not. So, listen, I'm still very high on the Nets. I've had them going to the finals even before the Harden trade. I still have them doing that. But I do believe that we're, we're not talking about that enough. And I get that Durant is a great plug-and-play guy. But, listen, you, there's still one ball. you still got to figure out how it's going to work. So, I'm still keeping my eye on that. You know, only seven games played between those three guys. I don't know, Phil, you have any thoughts, any pushback on that. But I, I still have a little bit – of concern about that. No, Just I get little... what you're saying. And I, I partially agree. I think for most of the games that we've seen with them, when they do run lineups, it's the starting three or the starting five. And there are three of them. And then immediately after they flip to Kyrie and KD, and then James Harden with Joe Harris and kind of like a bench unit. And it's basically what Harden was running in Houston, where it's kind of like a small ball lineup, just kind of push the pace. And then they flip back to the KD Kyrie, like one, two punch. So it's interesting to see like that dynamic of two different fives that you kind of flip between throughout the game. But when it comes down to the fourth quarter, usually they're in together for most of the game, at least for the last two or three minutes that matter. And so we're kind of getting to see that chemistry flow in a like pressure cooker, I'd say, because like two or three minutes in the last at the end of the game, like you're figuring out like who's taking the shots, who's in rhythm, who am I finding or who am I just deferring to? Yeah, for sure. And uh, I, I, they, they have lineups that work. You know, right, right now they're in those seven games. Their, their most popular lineup was that small ball five with essentially Durant playing center. Then you had Jeff Green at the four, and then your Harden, Kyrie, Joe Harris, and that team is actually holding up pretty well defensively. And they're they're a crazy plus seventeen in net rating when they play together. So listen, like they, I'm not saying it hasn't worked, but playoff time you're going to be playing the cream of the crop I would like to see this team kind of get more into a groove just so they're fully in sync when that time comes those guys are going to be tired I just uh, you know yeah yeah yeah. Nate I see that point for sure and the Clippers last year I I also had very high expectations for them you know I mean you put Paul George Kawhi Leonard and some of the other guys that they had you you're going to have high expectations and I agree that they really probably would have benefited from some additional run with all those guys together during the regular season. Um, But just one point too, that really impresses me. And uh, this is something I noticed throughout the year. Brooklyn seems to do very, very well against the cream of the crop, the guys that they would be playing in the playoffs. And I just found the actual stat too: their record versus teams 500 and above 15 and four league best. Next best is the jazz at 15 and seven. But the downside to that is the nets are only nine and nine. 
against below 500 teams. Super crazy. But like you said, it's going to be important having those guys all together for the consistency. But, um, yeah, super fun team to watch. And hopefully they'll get KD back healthy soon. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but last year I think Clippers did something like that where their record against like either top 500 or top four seeds in either conference was really good. And people were like, they're just dominant all around. And then when it came to the playoffs, you could just see like the wear and the tear. That's true. Playoffs is just different, yeah. right? It's a whole different animal. So makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And they they kind of – and, like, we remember some of those losses. You know, they had two losses against uh, Washington, I believe, or at least one loss against Washington, I think, two, and uh, two against Cleveland. They are a team that can kind of coast a little bit, go with the flow. I mean, I'm not worried about their talent, and I do think they're going to be there at the end of the day. But, again, when you, when you get to the postseason, like, you have to beat these great teams four at a time, yeah. four times out of seven. So it's going to take consistent play, and I think that's when the – the teams that are have been together and have a little bit of chemistry, it definitely does help. And when you're splitting the smallest of hairs, I think that can matter. But Brooklyn, obviously a team to matter. We, we've talked about them at nauseum uh, last time we uh, – two podcasts ago, we had a, a nice conversation about them as well. But that's definitely a team to monitor in the second half. I want to shift a little bit, guys, to teams that may be underachieving. All right, because I know Adamo mentioned Minnesota, who's been an absolute train wreck. Uh, we talked about the Knicks who are overachieving. Obviously, we just talked about Brooklyn. So I'm, I'm going to throw some names out there, and you guys can kind of go where you want to go with them. All right. Eastern Conference, and I'm, I'm just going to throw the records out, see what you guys are thinking. Miami Heat, defending Eastern Conference champions, sitting at 18 and 18, sixth in the East. Not great. Toronto Raptors, 17 and 19. They got ravaged by COVID at the end of the first half of the season, 17 and 19, eighth in the East. Not great. Uh, Atlanta Hawks, Atlanta Hawks, very interesting team, a team that I admittedly proudly was not that was not that into this season. I was I was not on the Atlanta hype train and a lot of people were ready to proclaim them Eastern Conference playoff locks not happening. 11 in the East, 16 and 20 go to the Western Conference. Dallas Mavericks actually coming along pretty well at the end of the season. They've crept above 518 and 16. So we'll let them slide for now. Um and, yeah, honestly, the West is kind of shaken out how we thought it would, I think, for the most part, um, with some obviously surprise teams at the top, like Utah and Phoenix. Um, but I think the bottom's like, kind of what we thought it would be. Minnesota, Houston, Sacramento, all at the bottom. New Orleans could probably be doing a little bit better, but eh, I wasn't that high on them. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Just some teams out there. Phil, any, any of those names that stick out to you in terms of either surprise or you're seeing stuff that interests you or maybe you were – onto it beforehand and it's kind of playing out the um, way you thought it would I'd probably go with the Hawks first of all what you were talking about with the heat before they realistically had the same kind of COVID struggles like maybe in the middle of the season where it mm-hmm. was I think Jimmy Butler Tyler Harrow and yeah. someone else like key to their I think maybe Goran Dragic but they were all out for an extended period of time and that just led to like a losing streak which I remember because the Knicks played like two of their games against them and so we kind of stole those away but yeah the Hawks have been mm-hmm. I don't know if I predicted it or I saw it coming but I definitely wasn't as hot. Me and you both weren't as hot at them on them as everybody else. They thought getting all these nice shiny pieces were going to solve the puzzle, even though most of them might not have fit together well. So it's been interesting to see Trey Young try to 
cohesively put it all together, but realistically, he's just making everyone be his pick and roll partner while he's just chucking. <laughs> yeah, well, Atlanta's interesting. Listen, I like, I, I didn't not like their offseason because I thought they got bad players. I just didn't like it because I thought it was too much too soon right. and they were overpaying. And I, I think I think people didn't really take into granted how bad this team was last year. I mean, Phil, you and I watched Knicks last year and like Atlanta was one of the few teams that we could right. win against. You know, like they were they were horrible. They were one of the worst teams in the NBA. And then they add Bogdanovich, Gallinari, each on very expensive contracts, which and I don't like people were really thought those were good deals. I didn't understand why. And I know Bogdanovich has been hurt this year, so it's not fully fair to judge the team yeah, evaluate yeah. him but I mean Gal yeah I, I think Gallinari's like pretty mediocre defensively he's a shell of himself and he was never t- defensive minded to begin with yeah it was he, he he's no yeah he's no youngster at 32 also and I think gave him a three-year deal for 20 million a pop I, I, that seemed like a lot to me Rajan Rondo's barely been in the rotation and yeah they're, they're just struggling like their uh their most common lineup is not doing well you know when, when they're when they're throwing out Trey and they got Reddish trying to get Reddish into the groove, he hasn't, t- he hasn't taken the step they've wanted. But the they're also not sure what to do with Collins still. I mean, Collins realistically should be a center probably, and they're still trying to stick him at the four. It's not working. Um, their most popular lineup of Trey, Reddish, Herter, who's actually probably one of their better players this year, John Collins and Compella, they can't stop anybody. 121 defensive rating, that would be worse than the NBA or just about worse than the NBA, minus six overall. So their offense isn't even really making up for it. They, I think, are like trying to stick their players into situations that they're just not really fit for. Like they're trying to force things, you know, they're trying to force the Collins into the four. They're trying to force Reddish as kind of like a spot up guy, which I don't think that's his role. Um, right now, as you said, it's a lot of Trey with the ball and they're relegating players like Reddish and DeAndre Hunter to spot-up roles, and it's not really working. So Atlanta definitely struggling. Adama, do you have any thoughts on the Hawks? I know, you, I know you're always a little partial to the Atlanta sports teams, but it's <laughs> – yeah, yeah. It's not it's not great so far. Dude, um I was um kind of one of those people that had pretty high expectations for the Hawks. You know, I thought Trey Young in what is this year 3 now, I think for yeah. him. Yeah, right. Kind of yeah, yeah, so I thought way. Trey Yeah. <laughs> I thought Trey was going to continue to keep moving forward and um you know, I think last year Nate we talked about he had like a sky high all-time high usage rating. And it seems like this year he might be taking actually a little bit less shots, trying to be a little bit more of a facilitator. But I had thought that they would probably be around maybe four to six seed. So I think that this is super disappointing, uh, like you guys are saying. And, um, you know, I like Trey. He seems like a good kid. But um, they, they got to do better. This is definitely underperforming, I think. Yeah, it seems like I was looking at the stats from last year. The Hawks were 27th in defensive rating. And going into the offseason, you'd think, okay, they're going to try to get some kind of defensive help and solve the ship, but they go out and get Bogdanovich and you're like, okay, he's a very, he's a good wing. He can score, he can space. He's not, he's an average defender. What are they going to do next? They had a lot of salary cap and they go and sign Gallinari. So mm-hmm. it's just, you kind of double down on the same also, idea of a player. Sorry. Yeah. Also too, I think they acquired Capella at the end of last year. I don't, think he ended up playing any games correct me if I'm wrong I don't think he played any yeah, games last week yeah but so Capella is supposed to be you know I mean he eats boards for sure 
but I would figure he would be a decent low post, you know, or like shot, uh, shot blocker, rim protector for them. But it just seems like they haven't made any progress. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong yeah. with them. Also, we haven't seen any or barely anything from Okongwu. Mm. Yeah, that's true. He's been he's Poor been completely guy. forgotten. He's been completely forgotten. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, Atlanta struggling. Um, let's go west for a second, guys, because we 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 just talked about a, a couple East teams. As I said, I think the bottom of the West is kind of shaking out how we thought we would. Um, Minnesota is just it's been we, a train wreck. Quick, quick Russell point. Pretty, did we did we think yeah, Minnesota yeah. was going to be this bad coming in with three top three picks? Yeah. To be honest, well, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go. Oh, all right. No, no. I, yeah, go. I, honestly, I thought that – I know Minnesota was in the bottom tier last year as well. But, you know, I remember – I think it was a conversation back when Cat was maybe 21 or 22. It was probably his second or third year in the league. And there was an actual discussion about if you could start a franchise mm-hmm. with any one player. And I think it was a common answer. A lot of NFL, NBA GMs said Carl Anthony Towns. He's big. Yep. He can shoot it. He can rebound. You know, he's long, pretty athletic guy. And in the past, this year included, past two years, it just seems like he hasn't been able to really stay healthy. And Phil, to your point, they got D'Angelo Russell too. And they've they played barely any games together too. I, I you know, I, I didn't expect them really to make the playoffs. Maybe at best be like an eight seed, nine seed, something like that. But I, I definitely was not expecting them to, what do they have, like seven yeah. wins? So far, yeah, yeah, that's underperforming for sure. Yeah, Domo, you definitely like they that did happen. I remember, I think it was after his rookie or sophomore year, people were saying that. I mean, and listen, Cat's a very good player. You know, Cat is a very good player. I don't think this is particularly on him. The D'Angelo Russell thing is kind of a train wreck. Um, he's obviously hurt for pretty much the whole season at this point. I, I think he was out for. It was like a four, four to six month injury, or I mean, he got he got he got knee surgery, I believe, not too long ago, and he's barely even played like these last two seasons. Um, so that's just looking like a wreck. And what like when he's played, it hasn't looked great. But listen, when you, when when you invest that much in a player, and you don't even give him and Towns like a chance to play together, it's very difficult. Um, so this roster is not good. They don't really have a lot of those complimentary players around them. Like e- even the Knicks, I-, I know Phil. Like we've talked about the Knicks roster not being great, but like those little pieces that we kind of managed to to get. You know, Nerlens Noel, Alec Burks, even Austin Rose when he was playing well, even Alfred Payton. I know we don't I know we crap on him, Phil, but like even Alfred Payton. De- well, yeah, okay, well, Derek okay, was a gotcha, trade. Gotcha, I'm, gotcha. I'm talking more so uh, yeah, yeah, okay. in, in the off season. Um, like mm-hmm. Reggie Bullock, you know, like. Those those guys who obviously aren't going to excite you, mm. but they help the wheels turn on an NBA team. You know, like when you don't want to spend the big bucks and you don't have the superstar, they help you get through games. They help just make things easier for a Towns, for Anthony Edwards, who's young and kind of growing into himself. Like there's just not a lot of commenter pieces like that. I mean, Ricky Rubio has been horrible. Josh Okoge is a complete negative on offense. You can barely play him. Jake Lehman is bad. He's a bad NBA player. Like, they just don't have a lot of those guys. I mean, Nas Reed is trying, but realistically, he's a bench player at best. So they, they haven't done a good job of filling out those in-between pieces. And 
when you're not hitting home runs in the draft, I'm, like Jared Culver, that's that's not looking good. Anthony Edwards, I like him as a player, but right now he's not a positive player because he's just so young and raw. He doesn't do a lot of things to help you win NBA games right now in his career. So it's just Towns and not a whole lot else. And it's tough. It's, it's a tough situation. with And, like, without Russell playing, there's just not a whole lot of NBA talent there. So it's difficult. It's going to be difficult for them to win yeah, games. Yeah, their roster. You know? Nate, I think you brought sorry, up uh, – Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just go. saying, yeah. I think you brought up uh, a great point, Nate, about the comparing to the Knicks, right? Roster-wise, yeah, you know, maybe – I don't know. Comparable, maybe Knicks, maybe, you know, better well-rounded roster. Um, you know, I think Cat might be the best player out of rosters for both teams. But I think this dates back to what we had seen a couple of years ago. Remember, there was reports of Jimmy Butler, right, taking the second unit guys and he kicked the starters ass or something like that. It seems like there's just some sort of lack of leadership and a bad attitude within the organization. I watched them on national TV in a game. I forget who it was against uh, maybe a week or two ago. And or maybe it was a, a Knicks game. I think they played the Knicks, and it just looks like, you know, guys are playing with lower effort. You know, it, it's like, of course they want to win, but they're not really fighting. So, uh, yeah, I just – they don't have the talent to get by to be able yeah, to do that. Yeah, and you were basically saying what I was mm-hmm. going to, where it's like the Knicks have guys that round out the roster where you need two or three guys that can shoot the ball and space the floor – <clears throat> and you need guys that can be under the rim getting you rebounds or blocking shots. And you don't need, like, you can get those guys for the cheap like we did with Nerland, Samal, and Burks. But the Timberwolves seem to go in a direction of, like, the heaviest development possible. Like, every single player they're playing is under five years of experience, barring, like, Jake Lehman and yeah, not even Cat because he's probably, what, like, four or five years in. Rubio, yeah, yeah. Rubio. So they, they try to develop as many kids as they can and realistically doing what the Knicks did, which is just bringing in vets that can actually do their role as opposed to hoping some of these guys fit mm. into their role of like a Kogi being like a 3 and D guy where really he's just defense right now. Or Culver doing the same thing and he's yeah. not even on the floor. Yeah. It's a fine line. It's a fine line. It's, it's always one of the most interesting questions when it comes to developing NBA teams. Some teams do it better than others, but I, I do think that it's important to get those guys that, that make the wheels turn in an NBA game because then if not, you're, you're just you're just sinking. You know, like it's not it's not helping right. your young players. It's not helping the the, the morale. Like that, that's why I think this next season, and like Phil and I have talked about this. I I really think it's if they can manage to get into the play-in, it would be so important. And I'm not even. This doesn't even have to do with the Knicks. I think for young teams, it's very important to get that exposure in actual, like, playoff intensity, you know, high-level games. Because, like, right now, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, like, he just hasn't played a lot of meaningful basketball over the last few years. It, it's just – I mean, he's no, he's not young, per se, anymore. Like, this is, what, I think it's fifth season? Fourth or fifth, fifth season, at least? Sixth season, I think? I believe fifth. I'd, I'd have to double check, but he was taking a 2015 draft. And I mean, for a guy that talent level, he played in one playoff series. And outside of that, it's just been losing seasons where they're pretty much eliminated 50 games in. And I don't think that's healthy for the development of a player. I don't think that's healthy for the development of a franchise. So yeah, Minnesota, it's tough. 
it's a tough time for their fan base. Um, they're just hoping they get the first overall pick at this time. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's all they can really hope for because this season's going nowhere fast, and that's just kind of the reality of it. But that's where we are, are with Minnesota. Um, I want to shift over for one second, guys, from the bottom of the West to the top of the West because going into this season, even though the Clippers flamed out in embarrassing fashion last year, I still think that most people thought that the two top teams of the West were the Lakers and Clippers. And I'm sure a lot of people still think that. But right now, halfway through the season, top two teams are not the Lakers and the Clippers, standings-wise. Top two teams are Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns. So I'm just going to put it real simple. I'll start with you first, Adamo. How dangerous do you think these two teams are in terms of contention? Do you think one's more dangerous than the other? Do you both? Do you think they're both just kind of nice stories that will probably maybe push the top teams but not actually make it to the Western Conference Finals or the NBA Finals? I mean, where are you with those two squads? Because if I show you, you guys the stands at the beginning of the season, I'm sure that would jump out to you, the fact that Utah and Phoenix, Utah especially because they're just killing people, but they're at the top of the West and uh, they're playing great basketball. Yeah, um, I definitely didn't foresee the Jazz being number one or the Suns number two. I definitely thought it would have been, you know, Lakers, Clippers in some order, one, two, and probably Nuggets even at three. Um, pretty chalky, I know. But <laughs> Utah looks really good. I mean, Rudy Gobert defensively is a monster. And offensively, they just look like they're so well-connected as a team. Um, you know, pick and roll with Rudy and then a whole bunch of shooters. They're just playing great team basketball. And I think Donovan Mitchell, too, is really, really good player. Um, he showed us in the bubble last year. He had that, uh, you know, I guess battle with Jamal Murray. The dude can drop some serious numbers, and he's a very good player, maybe on the verge of stardom if he's not already a star. Um, but I'd honestly probably have to, if I was picking between the two, and it was a playoff series. Honestly, I would probably go with Phoenix. Reason being Chris Paul experience. Chris Paul, no matter where he goes, it seems like his teams are always in a position to win. Um, you know, some would argue a few years ago that the Rockets were that Chris Paul injury away from making the finals. And I think that he's a tremendous player. I think Devin Booker is one of the more underrated players. And, um, you know, this year it seems like he might be getting a little bit more media attention and national attention because the Suns are, you know, winning second seed. Chris Paul's there now too. But, uh, Nate, I think we talked about too, the Suns have a tremendous bench, a great collection of players. They're also playing great team basketball. Um, But if I had to go between the two, yeah, I would side with the Suns. Reason being Chris Paul, I know he can hit the big shot. Donovan Mitchell, he can probably hit the big shot, but I, I would just have more confidence in CP3. Yeah, Bill? I can't argue with that. Uh, Suns would definitely be my pick over the Jazz. Obviously, Lakers and Clippers kind of came into the season. Well, the Lakers came into the season a little more banged up or tired because they had, what was it, like a 47-day off season. And so we assumed, I mean, maybe it was just me, but I thought they weren't going to take the first spot at least until like the second half of the season. Definitely surprised me that the Suns got up this high. They're just a great team overall. Like they really play to the coach's identity and they share the ball with everybody and everyone gets touches. But yeah, I think when it comes to playoff time, the Suns may stand a little bit more of a chance, but realistically it's going to be Lakers and Clippers probably in the Western Conference Finals. 
Interesting. Interesting to hear both of you guys go with Phoenix. I, I, I'm still going to – I mean, I, listen, I don't think either of these teams are going to beat the Lakers when fully healthy. The Lakers, I, I, I don't even want to talk about them, honestly, because with Anthony Davis missing all this time, it's just – you can, you can gather some stuff from the way they're playing, but at the end of the day, you can't really gather too much just because – such an important cog of their team hasn't been playing, but Utah, I'm surprised to hear both you guys low on Utah. Listen, I, I know that w- there are definitely some things that kind of worry you. Um, last, last game they played Philadelphia last game before the all-star break. And I know a lot of scrutiny was put on the refs in that game because of what Utah um, kind of brought to light after the game, but whatever. I watched the whole game and Adama, I do agree that Rudy Gobert has been great this year. You know, when he when he's on the court, they're so much better. Uh, their starting lineup is one of the best lineups in the NBA. 10.9 net rating. That would be good for best in the league by a pretty easy margin. And they're playing great when Don Mitchell goes to the bench and they have their Conley-Gobert lineups going. They're playing great. Uh, re- there's really nothing they're doing right now that isn't working at some level. Uh, the one lineup that isn't doing as well is the Mitchell favor Mitchell favors lineup. And when you don't have Bogdanovich out there, Bog, Bog, when you just have Royce O'Neal Clarkson and Ingles, then they struggle a little bit to score and defend actually, but they haven't been using that lineup as much. It's mostly with Mitchell Clarkson Bogdanovich out there. So I'm sure they'll probably lean into that come playoff time, but the go bear factor is interesting because while he's been a great help defender, his rim protection is amazing. Um, he's still – he's not the post stopper that I think people think he is. And, listen, I know Joel Embiid is an MVP-type player. He is one of the best players in the NBA. But another player that's like Joel Embiid is Anthony Davis. And yeah. he's going to be coming around the block if they have to play in the Western Conference Finals. So I know it's easy to say – Hey, he's Embiid. Embiid gets everybody. You know, Embiid just like, – I get it. It's true. You know, M- Embiid's been killing everybody. Like, nobody's had an answer for Embiid. But at the end of the day, you know, we're not talking about the Utah Jazz winning a playoff series or making it to the conference finals. Like, this is a year that they want to win the NBA title because, realistically, if they don't win it this year, then I don't know when they will unless they make major changes to the roster. So, you would like to see, I think, go barely compete a little bit more in those situations. Like, Embiid kind of had his way. And I think that was a little bit alarming because, I mean, if Gobert is like the all-time defender that we say he is, I don't think that should be happening. But regardless, that is what it is. They're playing great offensively. Their shooting is out of this world. They have almost no weak links when it comes to shooting the ball. Um, So, yeah, like Utah, I like them, but it's kind of like a wait-and-see game. I I get what you guys are saying with Phoenix. They definitely have the experience factor with Chris Paul. Chris Paul is hard to bet against at this point. I think both those teams are a step below the Lakers. I think the Clippers are a step below the Lakers at this point, too. I think the Clippers have been very up and down in the first half of the season. But, yeah, overall, that's where I am with them. It's definitely a good story, but we'll be there to monitor. Do you guys think that those teams could beat the Clippers? Or do you think it's just Lakers-Clippers chalk? I know, Phil, you say Lakers-Clippers. What about you, Adamo? Um, Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's tough to tell. You know, it's tough to form an opinion with the Clippers – because there's some games that they can play so well. And I just think, wow, you know, this team certainly has what it takes to win NBA championship. 
And then there's some games where, like you said, they're just up and down and they're down. So they don't look good. Jazz certainly have been more consistent. Phoenix more consistent for sure. It's tough to say, but maybe I'm partial with Kawhi Leonard. You know, he's a two-time NBA champion. I know Chris Paul, so much experience and probably one of the best or definitely one of the best point guards of all time. Super clutch, but I don't know. Kawhi Leonard's my guy. He's just a machine. I would probably still have to go Lakers Clippers. Yeah. Yeah, I would probably too. The the seating will be interesting though, because it will be very interesting if somehow those two teams have to play each other before the Western Conference Finals. And it's, you know, at this point, it's going to be hard to catch the Jazz at the one seed, especially with Anthony Davis missing time. So that's going to be something to monitor for sure, because if they have to play each other before Western Conference Finals, I mean, that makes that makes life easier for either Utah or Phoenix. I don't have to be one of them instead of both of them. Well, so. One thing, too, that, um, you know, you brought up the Davis and Gobert matchup. Another thing, what if we get a rematch of Denver versus Utah in the second round mm. in this year's playoffs? I mean, Jokic last year was having a great year for sure, too. But I I don't know. It seems like he might have even taken another step forward. I know that the Nuggets are also up and down, especially in the beginning of the year. We're more trending downwards. It seems like in recent week or two, they've been on the uptrend. And it looks like Jamal Murray's playing better. And uh, maybe Michael Porter Jr., too, is working his way back from – I know he was out from COVID for a while. But that would be a tough matchup, too, for Utah. You know, the West is super deep it feels like. So I don't know. Yeah. I was, no. Yeah. You're right. We, we should talk about Denver and I'll, Phil, I'll let you put some Denver thoughts out there in a second. De- Denver, I think is better than their record. Their net rating is plus 5.4 uh, and that would be good for fifth in the NBA. So I, I think they're losing some tough games and they're getting their stride recently. As you said, Jokic just playing as well as anybody. So he's one of those guys that like, just like Embiid, nobody's had an answer for Jokic. So you can't, you can't count him out, and obviously they have some somewhat of a pedigree as well based on what they did last season. So Denver's definitely, I think, a hot team that we should not be counting out. Phil, do you have any Nuggets thoughts? I, I know you are yeah, no, a Jokic I'm lover. Yeah, no, i the purest of the Jokic game. But, I mean, realistically, Denver had a kind of a tough struggle in the beginning of the season because some of their guys weren't back, and they were trying to offset the losing of Jeremy Grant to the Pistons. And then on top of that, Michael Porter Jr. was missing time. Uh Jamal Murray was just kind of off so far and you need to give him time to get back into mm-hmm. like, I'm not shape, but like, you know, just getting a rhythm. And so Jokic was really carrying them for that first probably third of the season. And like, that's where we saw those gaudy MVP numbers and he's holding them through, but now we're starting to see the team kind of catch up to him and we're seeing like how good and dominant they can be. I think it took time. The Jeremy Grant thing was definitely a loss. I've been saying that for a bit, but yeah, it's going to take some time to figure out like how they defensively, continue to do what they were doing last year. Yeah, Jamal Murray has hit a stride after a rocky start to the season. He's kind of rounding more into shape and playing more like the star they need him to be because they, they need, especially with Jeremy Grant gone, they're going to need guys like Jamal Murray. Right, and he's still averaging step up four assists sure. a game. So you don't really get that kind of creation from anybody else on the floor besides Jokic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he really is their their playmaker like he's, he's the hub of everything they do so Denver definitely a team to watch Denver definitely a team to watch I think that we kind of forgot about them I got uh, they're, they're I got one quick there. thing for you guys um, 
So if you could yeah. make, before we talk, well, we're not going to talk trade it. deadline for a few weeks, but just a little preemptive thing. want to check the temperature. If you could make one move right now for a team before the deadline, like who would you send somewhere? Like I know Vooch to Beantown is a big thing on Nate's radar, but try to go outside of that and think of, you know, like a smaller piece that's easier for teams to get. I'll stick in Orlando, and I'm sending Aaron Gordon to Denver. Actually, I, like I think that I, th- I think that he would. Aaron Gordon is underrated defensively. You know, I, I really think that if he was on a a contending team, we would view him more as like a legitimate defensive stopper. He has the size, he has the strength, he has the awareness. He's good off ball. Like he, he's, I really do think he's an All NBA type defender. His three-point shooting is coming along this year as well. It's, I mean, I like. I think the jury's kind of out on Aaron Gordon. You know, we knew, we thought, like we we want him to be something when he got drafted. We wanted yeah, him yeah. to be like this Blake Griffin hybrid t- type of guy. And I I don't think that is like I, I think his role is more so uh, defensively, kind of like what Ben Simmons does. Offensively, not at all. Ben Simmons does, but defensively, kind of like Covington. But I think he's a better defender than Covington. And I think he also has more playmaking than Covington. So, like, mix Covington and Simmons on offense, and then, like, 80% of Simmons' defense. I think that's what – I think that's kind of what uh, Aaron Gordon is. And Denver still struggles defensively. They still struggle with their shooting from their wings. Paul Millsap is pretty horrible. Um, they should try to get him out of there because he's pretty unplayable. Maybe they send a first-round pick, but, hey, if you guys send a first-round pick, send a first-round pick. Aaron Gordon's not old. I think he can be a legitimate piece for them. I think he's a great plug-and-play guy. I'd love to see him in a, in a Nuggets uniform. So I'm, I'm going Aaron Gordon to Denver that yeah. I think could really happen. Yeah, I also have a trade going to Denver, but um, I have Thaddeus Young. So, Nate, consistent with your idea of, you know, Denver getting another kind of perimeter defender – Thad Young from the Bulls to Denver. And I like Thad to Denver. I know that offensively he's not really much of a shooter, which, of course, Denver and any team could use. But I like him, of course, as a defender and also as a distributor, right? So when Murray's off the court and Jokic is off the court, um, I think Young is averaging maybe four assists so far this year. And he's uh, a guy that probably a lower cost, and he's just a nice role player to the points that we were talking about before. You know, the Knicks have these guys to do these little things. And I think Thad is an experienced guy and he'd probably be a pretty good fit. Um, so he's a guy and he's a guy I think that Denver could certainly acquire and uh, would bring some value. Yeah, to the team. I mean, both those guys you mentioned were kind of fluid in prior years they'd be fours or fives but nowadays like they can switch between guarding threes and fours and you know sometimes small ball five so it's interesting to see like I don't know the progression of how that's really come to be in the NBA because now we're just looking at guys as like fluid athletes like Aaron Gordon's basically like a bouncier Mm -hmm. Paul Millsap in his like heyday where he's able to like stretch the floor and be really mobile on defense so I think it would be a very good fit either way Thaddeus Young or Aaron Gordon maybe Aaron Gordon would be a better fit just because of his timeline. Cause I think he's what, like 24 or 25. Yeah. He's, he's not old. I, yeah. I, I, I want to see Aaron Gordon on a good team. I, I think that he's, I, I think he's kind of underrated and listen, he's not a star. As I said, I think the jury's kind of out on that whole thing, but yeah, 25 years old, 
He's given you 37% from three this year on, on decent volume too, four attempts per game. So a guy like that who also gives you four assists, he can rebound the ball, he can defend. Like, you know, I think that's just a, a dude that can kind of fit anywhere. And he's actually – he hurt himself actually. I didn't even realize that. But yeah, yeah, he, he should be good by He's a uh, blue guy for a contender. Uh, Anywhere else he's just kind of – it's tough to find a role for him. Like if he's in a playing course, high level yeah. basketball, yeah. Yeah, like he's not he's not made to be Orlando. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I think he'd go a lot of places. Yeah. Like I, I'd like to see him on Portland. I mean, I think he's like a okay, much well, better Derek Jones Jr. That's a hard but, comparison. You could find um, a lot of better Derek Jones Juniors. I'm not a big D double J guy. Well, you hate Derek Jones Jr. do you have a trade for mine was kind of more in the park of Boston. I know I talked about it in the beginning, but it wasn't for Vooch. It was more kind of a Fournier sweepstakes. I think he's been kind of left out of the shuffle in Orlando where they're saying a lot of pieces are going to be moved. Boston's a viable option. Toronto might be a good spot for him if they get rid of Lowry or they just kind of want to see what they have. But yeah, I think Fournier is going to be an interesting piece moving Mm -hmm. forward because he's going to be a, he's not a cheap contract, but he's going to be a cheap get for teams. And so this could be considerable for teams like the Pelicans or Spurs or even the Nuggets that want to kind of bolster their backcourt. Yes. I have a name for you, Phil. All right. And listen, a certain fan base is going to get mad. But I saw this report kind of swirling around mm-hmm. and it, it kind of interested me. Okay. Yeah. Jeremy Grant. What could you do? You think Detroit should entertain trading away? Jeremy I, I Grant? think I don't know. I don't want to say what they should do, but I think they're going to get a lot back for him because he's legitimately playing like an all star. Granted, the Nuggets kind of had him, you know, in a specific role where he was a floor spacer, three and D power forward. And the Pistons got weird. And I mean, most of the season didn't really pan out, but this one thing did. And he's Jeremy Grant showing he can be a legitimate three, Mm -hmm. control the ball, create for others and create for himself, which is just not what you were able to see in Denver. So you kind of just got this random thing coming at you where it's like, he's actually this. He's not just like a three and D plug and play player. Yeah, I know. I, I know he's 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 kind of just doing all these things that we've never seen. You know, there, there was no right. indication he would be this. But just looking at Detroit, I mean, Detroit is on yeah. a fast track to nowhere. Like this team is not going to be contending a, into, for, for another four to five years. You know, like that, that's that's realistically what we're, they're looking at. They're hoping similar to Minnesota to get their first overall pick and get Kate Cunningham, who. I think is kind of like, I think he does have generational ability. I'm not saying he's a lock, but if you don't get Cade, I think it's a lot of question marks. I think that Cade yeah. is the guy that you're getting, but only one of these teams can get him. You know, it's not going to be Orlando, Detroit, Minnesota, Houston, Oklahoma city, Sacramento. They, you know, they all want that first pick. Only one of them is going to get him. So if you don't get him, that maybe that four to five year timeline becomes six to seven years. Or, or, or maybe they get somebody right. else next year. I don't know. But I'm just saying, when you're, when you're in that kind of tank era, it's a lot of, it's a lot of question marks. It's a lot yeah. of variables. You know, what, like, we see what happened with Philadelphia back in the day. They, they got lucky with Embiid and Simmons. But yeah, they the good thing you have now won't do the time. same tomorrow. So, a la Julio Okafor in Philadelphia. Exactly. Yeah, and, and when you're in Detroit, I mean – Listen, Jeremy Grant's like, value is not going to be higher right. than now. It's just, I really doubt it, unless he levels up again next year, which I, 
would, would be something else. So I don't know. Do you want to ride this and maybe hope you get lucky and maybe hope that he, he st- he's a piece sooner than later? Or do you want to kind of cash out and really embrace this new era of Detroit Pistons basketball where they should really probably getting into the cellar and seeing what they could, what they could find because like right now there's not, there's, there's no future because they don't have too many young pieces. Killian Hayes, their first round pick. We haven't even seen him this year. So Jeremy Grant could be winning you games where you need to be taking for probably two or three more years on top of this year. Yeah, that too. So I think it's interesting. You could definitely get a lot of value from a, you know maybe a team like Boston, maybe a team like Denver. One, one of those yeah, squads um, could probably kind give of a, a lot for Jeremy Grant. off of that, I think two others like the Mavericks or the Warriors could be very interesting players if that sweepstakes came to be. Adamo? And sure. Thoughts? Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, Nate, like you were saying, Detroit is probably, I was thinking at best, three years out of you know, making the playoffs, something like that. Four or five, like you said, probably sounds more reasonable. I think they should probably entertain offers. I know that Grant signed with Detroit rather than Denver. I think Denver actually offered the same amount of money. He wanted to go to Detroit because he wanted to be the guy. But, you know, this is a business. Detroit, they're probably looking to rebuild based on Blake Griffin buyout. Seems like Andre uh, or Drummond's on the Cavs, actually. So, but um, yeah, I I just think that they should probably look into getting offers for Grant. Figure, you know, three four years down the line, they can actually be playoff contenders at, at best case scenario too. Because you know you see teams go through motions where they're struggling for years and years sometimes. But you know he would still be what twenty nine thirty, and he'd be making a whole bunch of money probably towards the end of the deal. If they could get a good offer, yeah, they should probably do it. Um, like you said, Nate, I don't, I don't think that he'll level up again. He's definitely taking a step forward this year. Uh, maybe it's just a product of his role, but yeah, I, I think that they should, they should look to see if they yeah, can move him if possible. Realistically, you could argue this is just an, an advanced player who's a three and D prototype who's just giving so much exposure or so much ball time where he can be able to produce these crazy numbers. And then what you were talking about like a second ago was by the time that four to five timeline pans out, his contract would be up. He is a two years left on his deal after this one. Yeah. 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 And his value is not getting higher, as I said. So it, it's definitely, it's definitely something to monitor because Detroit similar to Minnesota ain't going anywhere this year. So that's that. Um, all right, guys. Before before we call it, Adam, I gotta get your pick because Phil and I we got our finals picks in. All right, we have we both. Phil, are you still going Lakers over Nets? By the way, or have you? I'm gonna hold for now, so things? I don't so I don't teeter totter too much. Okay, you're gonna hold your stock. Yeah. Okay, you're holding your stock. Hoddle. Yeah. So we, I, I'm holding my stock as well. So we both have Lakers over Nets in the NBA Finals. Where are you standing today, Adamo? You know, guys, um, I'd hate to deviate too much um, just because I don't want to say something that I don't actually believe in just to be different. Bl- um, blend in with the crowd. Philly's good, but I, <laughs> I, I do think it's going to come down to Lakers Nets. Um, so I just have some questions still. Giannis is MVP, world-class caliber player, but is he going to be able to lead a team 
two NBA finals, you know, I think you got to be able to um, hit those free throws at the end of the game, some clutch shots off the dribble. I don't know if Giannis can do that yet. Maybe Middleton can, but I think Brooklyn out of the East for sure. They're just so explosive offensively. And the guys, I know it's small sample size, seem to mesh together pretty well already. Um, you know, they got three different guys that can hit a game-winning shot off the dribble and are all great free-throw shooters. Lakers from the West, I'd have them. You know, Clippers, like I said, I love Kawhi. But, I mean, it, it's just so hard to go against LeBron James. And Anthony Davis, hopefully he'll be back fully healthy. So I'll have a matchup of Nets-Lakers. And I'm going to be a little bit different, though, just because um, I think that I love the way that Kyrie, James Harden, and KD can all get their own shot off the dribble. Now, I know it's going to be super difficult for Brooklyn to defend Anthony Davis. LeBron James is the best player in the world, but... I don't know, man. I really like the way that Brooklyn's playing right now. I think it'd be a super close series, but maybe Brooklyn in six or seven. Yeah, and to your I'd point, to for no one can really guard AD on Brooklyn. No one can really guard Harden or Kyrie, for that matter, on LA, because who are you going to set them up with, KCP or THT? Yeah, I mean, Brooklyn's just unguardable. Like, you know, you're not going to stop these guys. You're going to have to throw team defenses at them. Uh, either of these teams are going to need to get good shooting out of their complimentary players. You know, it's all little things. It's going to, if that does happen, it's going to be a wild NBA finals. I I can't remember that much star power being in an NBA finals. Hopefully it happens. Honestly. So it would be crazy. Yeah. That'll be a legendary series. Also too, you know, on the contrary, I do like Schroeder. True. Yeah. He's been playing great with the Lakers and I like Trez for them too. Lakers have, you know, those two guys coming off the uh, – uh, yeah, yeah. Shooter starts, so, I mean – but Tre- Yeah, Shooter starts now. Yeah, but Trez coming off the bench, I like that. Brooklyn, you know, their bench is better than I thought it would be, but still, you know, I, I have a feeling that Sean Mark's probably not done. He'll probably get some more yeah, bench guys Yeah, we've heard stuff with Griffin kind of coming on the rise recently. What what would you guys think about that? If Blake Griffin went to the Nets, would you I like that I think it depends. No? Like, if it's just absolutely vet minimum, that's just like another body to have in the paint and another creator in your second unit. So why not? Yeah. Uh, maybe it might be better. I think Blake should also entertain opportunities with the Clippers or the Lakers because that could just be a very better opportunity than <clears throat> having to do a lot more on the Nets. He's done with the Clippers That's after the promises jersey in the rafters. <laughs> On that Straight point, he might go to the Lakers. Send, send, send to Detroit. Nate, Nate what about you? Uh, Do you? I, 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 I like the I, – I actually brought the, the Griffin idea up a couple podcasts ago. I think it's fine as long as he's bought into his role, mm. which would be kind of a, a secondary playmaker, maybe with the bench squad and a little bit of spot-up shooting, a little bit of post-defense. Like I, I don't want Blake mid-range face-ups. I don't want too many Blake post-ups. Um, I think that he still has value as a big body in terms of defending big, like, you know, throw him AD. 12 minutes. Uh, give him a chance there. I think he can shoot a little bit. Yeah, he can pass the ball. So, I think in his role, I'm fine with it. Like, yeah. I, I like him on the Nets better than Andre Drummond. So, yeah, I'm okay with it. You know, we, we obviously, Blake's been a shell of himself this year. Maybe maybe he pulls a hard Something in. changes in Brooklyn. Just maybe come, it doesn't. Come back but, into shape. Well, maybe. <laughs> One thing, too, is I think – 
if there's anywhere you can go in the NBA where you're going to have, you know, the teammates that are already there make you a better player, or get your best skills out of you, Brooklyn has got to be maybe, if not the top or, you know, if not the top spot, one of the top spots with guys like Kyrie, Harden, and KD, you know. So I think, yeah, if he's going to, you know, resurrect his career, Brooklyn would be as good of a place to do it. Albeit he'd need to buy into the role that they design him for. Yeah, I all agree. Right. For sure. Well, all right, guys. Yeah. Well, anybody got any last, last throw-ins? Yeah, I got one, actually. Um, so – LaMelo Ball has been super impressive as a rookie. I didn't think that he'd be this good this early. I'm presuming that LaMelo Ball is probably the front runner for rookie of the year. Do you guys have any differing opinions? And if not, if you agree that LaMelo Ball is probably front runner, which rookie from this year's class has caught hey, your eye the most? Uh, LaMelo is definitely the front runner. You know, he's doing stuff that nobody else is doing. The way that he's initiating the offense, scoring at a high rate, uh, I, I think surprise anybody. There's not really any contest at this point for a front runner. Um, in, in terms of rookies that have caught my eye, though, obviously quickly, I think has done a lot of nice stuff for the Knicks. I'm pretty impressed with him. Uh, Halliburton's been good, not great, but good. And yeah, you know, like they're rookies, so it's it's going to be difficult. Um, I, I think that even though Anthony Edwards is struggling numbers-wise, I like what I see, talent. Uh, I think that he gets to his spots very well. He raises up and shoots. You know, he's got athleticism that you can't teach. So I, I'm high on his future. But overall, LaMelo has far and away been the best rookie, and he seems like the guy with the highest future as well. You know, I, I was on the LaMelo train before the draft. I thought that he was the best prospect in the draft. I believe Phil did as well. So, yeah, LaMelo is kind of taking – Yeah, I mean, I think he's just doing it now as opposed to – I think me and Nate both thought he was going to be good, like the best player in the draft in like five years, but maybe someone else would win rookie of the year because he's adjusting. Me personally, I had Wiseman as my pick in the beginning of the year, but Ball has pretty much just run away with it now. There's nothing you can do. Uh, Who's your pick? My pick pick was a wash, so. (laughs) Um. You know, uh, Phil, I know why yeah, he hasn't played. So that's just a shame. But yeah, he, he wasn't I playing. I mean, Killian well, Hayes just he hasn't was, played, so he, he needed to figure it out. He wasn't, but I mean, he but uh, yeah. some other guys are showing up quickly for sure. Denny is showing up to be more of a shooter than he is like an athlete ball handler, which is kind of like complete opposite of what we thought when we were getting into the Wizards drafting him. That's also That's a true. very yeah, it's a very point. tough situation for a rookie over there, with Russ and with Russ Same and thing with Obi. I mean, that is not I mean, that is not easy kind of for a wing to play. Would with. have had a lot more opportunities. Maybe he would have yeah, been able to show something and prove Nate wrong at this point. But he's been stuck under Julius Randle, and a low key random guy. I like Skyler Mays for don't get me, the don't Hawks. Get me he's out of LSU and he just seems like a pretty solid wing, like undrafted. Okay. Didn't know what you were gonna get out of him. Yeah, I liked him. I liked him for the college. Guy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's where our rookies. I, I think you know, Phil. You liked Wiseman. I. He's definitely had some. It started out like really exciting, and it's kind yeah, of it's waned as it's, the Warriors. It's, it's gotten some road bumps. Record went but down. I think the potential still that. Yeah, but then they also okay, did a lot right. better when he got advanced. 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 Kind of level lineup. 
is <laughs> that was well documented. That's all they talked about was how their starting lineup was horrible with him. But <laughs> yeah, no, but I I still think that the potential of the talent is there. He's a big guy with good hands who can shoot. Um, it's just like he just doesn't have. He just he's has to play them in basketball. You know, I, th- I think he's more experienced, more coaching. You can see there's like a there's like a lot of stuff, and he like tries it out. You know, he'll do like a a, a jump hook here and like a, a one legged fadeaway here, and like he's not that good at any of it. But you see, there's a little touch of a lot of things. So, I, I definitely think the ceiling is high for him, even though yeah. production wise, he's a fantasy guy as well. So we've lived the uh, we've lived the Wiseman experience this year. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, sir. You got any last thoughts, Adamo? We didn't get to gauge uh, your opinion. No, just on that Wiseman point. Yeah, I mean, Lamelo Ball has been great. Uh, Wiseman has shown flashes. Edwards, like Nate said, showed flashes. You know, there's some guys I think showing potential. But aside from Ball, nobody really standing out to me. Wiseman, I think it's good to keep in mind, too, uh, how many games did he play at the college level, right? Yeah, what was, was it like before he got two. suspended? Yeah. And – um yeah, I think he missed some games to injury this year, too. It's just crazy how little uh, organized mm-hmm. basketball this guy's played. But, you know, he does uh, – I remember back on Christmas Day, a super long time ago, but some plays that this dude was making and at his size, you're just like, wow, man, that's crazy. But sounds like he's got to polish it, polish his skills, and uh, hopefully he'll be able to continue to develop. But that's that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, that's midway through the season, guys. All right. Hopefully, we'll, we'll do this again before the playoffs. I know Adamo and I did a little second-round preview episode last season. I'd love to do that again. Uh, before we leave, Adamo, you want to plug your Twitter page? You got to, you know, you release your podcast there, and it's good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, Jack Alexander, check me out on Twitter. Yep, you got good stuff. Podcast talks about all kinds Top of things, notch. UFC, basketball, football, all the above. So that's good. Top-notch stuff. As for us, you know where to find us. Follow us on Twitter at HoopScoopPod. Watch us on YouTube, HoopScoop. And listen to our podcast on all platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Peace. And we'll catch you guys next time. Peace.